Welcome, Deep Seekers, to Episode 5. I'm Sean O'Callaghan. This is the Deep Seeker Podcast. My guest on this episode is me. A What they refer to as a solo cast, and I've got to apologize because Episode uh, 6 <laughs> got published and Episode 5, I've got to say, didn't exist. So this is Episode 5, which is going to follow Episode 6. But nevertheless, I just wanted to uh, cover off on a couple of things. Now, these are my thoughts, and these are the things that I've learnt. So, they're by no means am I by no means am I an expert on anything. It's just um, some considerations about you know key points around what um, makes me work, what makes us work, and how our brains work, and how we think and feel. And the fundamental for me that I've learnt is that uh, everything that occurs and happens is preceded by certain things in the way we think and feel uh, and what we project. So it starts off with, and many of you might've heard of this where you have the step one really being thoughts and feelings. So you can't really have behaviors without thoughts and feelings. So thoughts and feelings kind of precede, well, actually thoughts precede everything is actually something at, at the base of that, which is our self-image, meaning who we think we are first. So A, point A, zero point A is who we think we are, our self-image, as is referred to by um, some of the thought leaders and even some of the ancient material is who we think we are will drive our thoughts um, because the thought energy then becomes a feeling. Uh, The feelings then affect our behavior. Our behavior produces the results. The results in our life, then we can't help it, but we reflect on them. And so when we reflect on our results, it creates a thought and a feeling, and it also can validate our self-image. So if we come back to it and think of an event, so, you know, my self-image, Sean O'Callaghan, he has a certain self-image of himself, whether that's a positive or negative, you know, locus of control, you know, driving force, uh, whether that is a positive or negative predominantly, irrespective of that, it will then produce certain thoughts. So I'll have thoughts about um, that will be of a particular type of thought, you know, it might be negative or positive. Again, the feelings that are produced from those thoughts will then affect what decisions and choices and behaviors that I tend to lean towards. Um, Those behaviors, you know, let's say perhaps it's um, procrastination or um, the behavior might be uh, apathy, you know, an apathetic approach to tasks it could be a driven, focused, um, you know, enthusiastic willingness to want to move through tasks. The tasks or the behaviors then produce the outcome and the outcome might be, let's say it's an apathetic um, focus towards a task, then naturally the outcome will be of a limited, um, limited possibility. It'll have its uh, standard, it might be a, three out of 10 when it could have been an eight out of 10. So the three out of 10 is the result. And then the result is given consideration, thought about, reflected upon, and the result produces a feeling. (laughs) 
and a thought and back around we go again through the loop. But the first one that sits behind it is the self-image. So the self-image is a series of beliefs. And if you think of it, or I think of it in this way, is just a series of Polaroid images back in the day. You know, you take a, my kid, oh, my kid, my daughter, uh, uh, she has a Polaroid camera. Now, very expensive film, by the way, but nevertheless, uh, you can take the photo and produce the film straight away. And I think of our thoughts um, sorry, our beliefs as being a series of experiences that have taken place and it's a collection of those Polaroids and they stack up and there's an infinite number of them, of course. It's kind of like a, I don't know if anyone remembers the Super 8 video where it made that noise, you know, like that ticking noise. It sounded like this. That's also not a machine gun. But that's the sound of a Super 8 film. And Super 8 is, uh, I just think of those Polaroids as being Super 8s that are just every one of those clicks or ticks is you're taking another snapshot, another image, and it's stored. And those storage, the storage facility apparently is infinite, meaning that we have our, our memories, but stored within at a deeper level and even into our uh, various, I won't, go too much into it, our various bodies, uh, you know, let's think of it as in a cellular level, those that it's stored. So therefore the memories of wounds or damage or uh, positivity or lack um, or fabulous experiences or terrible ones, all of it is stored and our perception of it as well is quite fascinating as well, where you can think of, all of those events and, and let's not label them, you know, cause you can't even remember them all in your conscious mind. But if we label them, then they, they carry a resonance and they carry a frequency. So the frequency, let's say for example, an event that two people might experience and one will have the idea that that experience will be negative and someone will have an experience, the same experience and see it as positive. So, you know, to try and remove the positive or negative outlook over these events that occur uh, is is something that's important as well, which they refer to as, you know, the polarity, meaning um, a positive or negative outlook over the events that have taken place. But those memories are stored. Those memories and those historical events that we've experienced become part of our self-image, who we think we are or who we believe ourselves to be. And it becomes a solid um, a solid kind of zero point reference on who we think we are. It's quite difficult to change. And there's effort that's required to change it. There's effort that's required to alter the self-image because um, in order to achieve different outcomes, meaning different thoughts, different feelings, different behaviors, different results. The starting point is who we think we are and how we perceive ourselves. You know, some people say, oh, that, you know, always happens to me or um, they expect a negativity and there's tons of sayings that go with this. You know, they talk about Murphy's Law and there's so many, uh, so many sayings that find their way into the vernacular that we then approve, um, you know, which is, you know, quite often a leaning towards negativity, but we've got to be careful of that. And we've also got to be aware of it. So one of the key things that I've found that's worked really well for me is I've become more and more aware of my 
thoughts, the ability to observe them. Uh, and when I've got the ability to observe them, I can catch them before they get to, before they run away. Um, and I'd have to say a predominant expectation of mine was of mediocrity and lack and a lower frequency expectation uh, um, for a long time. And, you know, it still finds its way. And I think it's normal to have that as well. Uh, but just being in a position to be able to short circuit that thought before it creates too much energy, too much, too much power. Uh, and we have so many thoughts. I mean, there's lots of theories about how many thoughts we have per day. Some people say 60,000, some say 300,000, irrespective of that, there's a lot, but our conscious thoughts, the ones that we recognize probably very few. So the willingness to want to be able to dive into that, I've got to say, it takes persistence. It takes a lot of energy and it takes a willingness to want to, you know, see different outcomes, have better thoughts and feelings, not better, have different thoughts and feelings upgraded um, because the thoughts and feelings carry a, a frequency, which is what I've, you know, learned a long time ago, but also revisited that. So thoughts carrying a frequency, meaning that, you know, guilt and victimhood and powerlessness and blame and jealousy, these sort of lower, low-fi frequency feelings. I mean, even just saying them, it feels, it doesn't feel great at all. And so imagine if that was the lens that you saw everything, then, you know, you can't possibly imagine how your behaviors are going to be reflective of something at the complete, um, you know, sort of juxtaposition of that meaning, you know, the thoughts like enthusiasm and relief and hopefulness and appreciation, contentment, <clears throat> excuse me. So how do we get into a position where we can capture our thoughts? And I was saying before that it takes persistence. There's a great quote I've got here. Um, there's a guy, Neville Goddard, one of the, one of the greats um, of, as far as, you know, taking a lot of ancient information, old, old, uh, principles and bringing them into a more modern, um, digestible, uh, well, digestible for me anyway. How about I don't get too carried away about Neville? There's this quote that I love, and everyone's got quotes, I get it, but this one is something that is just, I'll read it. Therefore, it is the height of folly to expect the incarnation of a new and greater concept of self to come about by natural evolutionary process. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, it is the height of folly to expect the incarnation of a new and greater concept of self to come about by natural evolutionary process. So natural evolutionary process is back to the self-image, the locus of control, the operating system. So therefore, it's the height of folly, according to Neville, to expect the incarnation of new and greater concept of self, so new and greater concept of possibility. If you're just going to, if we're just going to wait for the natural evolution of ourselves to take place. So therefore, it's going to require an intersection of will and decision 
um, an expectation to want to see different results and outcomes and thoughts and feelings and behaviors. So therefore, how do we do it? Uh, with relentlessness, with persistence. Um, so there are ways to at least do that. And I mean, you hear about these things where there's journaling and there's writing things down, there's goals and aspirations and ambition. And sometimes, of course, got to say that the goals and ambitions are limited based on the self-image. So, of course, there's – and my good friend Gareth Habley taught me this. Haber, hello, mate. hope you're listening to this. Uh, taught me about this, which was the two wolves. And some of you may have heard of this. It's what you predominantly feed the wolf. You know, there's two of them. You've got, the let's just say, the good wolf and the bad wolf. And what you predominantly feed, excuse me, through reading – and um, watching and who you associate with and what you look at on YouTube and what computer games you might play and what videos you might watch and what conversations you might have. So therefore feeding, what is it? Uh, you know, you, you feed the bad wolf, um, then guess what? It, it strengthens. So the good wolf is, that's the good info. That's the positive people. That's the, not certainly positive people, the, the inspirational people that you might want to be around the amazing people that you might want to read about and look into, um, you know, part of the drive of this podcast is to, in, you know, to kind of offer the ability to be able to drench yourself in this information that the, the people that I interview are, they're good people that are looking to improve. They're looking to get more out of this experience. Uh, and so feeding the good wolf is more so a, a, a leaning towards the uplifting versus like, Turn off the news, number one. Like, just shut that thing off. The depression session is designed to destroy your soul. And if you have a look around how people think and feel, it's the worst. I can't stand it. I'll be upfront. Uh, the news and the newspapers and that information is absolutely diabolical to soul expression. So there's a rant. Number one, I would say for me is cutting that off. I did it a long time ago. And of course, we're now in the age of the internet. So you can collect the information that you want. You're not out of the loop. Um, realistically, does it matter what the mundane that comes through that channel? It doesn't matter. Um, you can find out the important information when you go to good sources that's available. And then, of course, there's the reading. There's the watching of um, you know, violence and computer games, as I said, and all of that stuff that's of that lower frequency. I just... I block all of that stuff. I don't allow it in. Um, and I ensure that I work on capturing the thoughts that I have that are limited, the ones that are not out of a creative space, the ones that are more, uh, more, more powerful around choice Um and those ones are the ones that I try and replace the ones that might be my default of an expectation of mediocrity. <laughs> so the circuit breaker being I recognize the thoughts that are affecting my state. The journaling and the writing is a really great experience as well. And then the reading and the watching of, I, I really, I'm a fan of watching great information on, on YouTube. That's, I think that's, you know, 
all power to the internet for that one. Again, the internet's an interesting one too. You can dive into whatever serving information that's there or the information that's that's not the one that's coming from a, a space of whack or limitation. Um, so coming back to bookend all of this, thoughts become feelings, feelings become behaviours, uh, drive behaviours, behaviours then produce results. Results we then look at and reflect upon and then that helps galvanise our self-image either towards something that's serving or something that isn't. So a bit to digest in that. Uh, thanks for listening. And episode seven will be coming after episode five, which is actually after episode six. Um, I learned that in primary school. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in.